You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Well, I'm moving on out, out of Florida, headed for Arizona, where we'll stay. Moving on out, out of Florida, to a place where it's okay to say gay. AZ didn't vote for the fascists, like Florida certainly did. I know things there won't be perfect. I'm really going to miss my kid. While we're driving cross country, there's still our shows to be done. So I'm pulling interviews you may not have heard, and I hope you listen to everyone while we're moving on out. Out of Florida to Arizona where it's hot as hell. I'll take the sauna over the steam bath. To escape that Ron DeSantis fascist smell. Welcome back. I'm Nicole Sandler. We're now into the third week of my move from Florida to Arizona, hopefully in the home stretch. When I decided to put together some actual best of shows to run while I'm in transit, I asked for requests. Almost immediately, someone asked if I had ever interviewed Tom Petty. Well, I did. It was the one and only time I ever met him, April 30th, 1999. We had just signed a new radio station on the air in Los Angeles, Channel 1031, a few months earlier. Tom Petty had just released a new album called Echo, and he joined me in the studio. He didn't perform that day, but he hung out and talked for a while. I decided to play this interview today, as today marks the sixth anniversary of Tom Petty's sudden and untimely death on October 2nd, 2017. And here we are. Here we are. Tom Petty, welcome. And thank you so much for coming by here today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, you're here. Uh, I guess the real occasion is the celebration of the release of the album Echo. Right. Uh, it's a new Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album. Mm-hmm. I, I have a question in what you've done a couple of solo albums, but on your solo albums, most of the heartbreakers appear. They do on Wildflowers, on uh, which was sort of an accident. Uh, the first one, they, they're listed, but they were actually only there one day, you know, like an hour. So. Oh, really? Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's given the wrong impression. But they um, Wildflowers, they, they turned up more and more into where it probably should have been called the Heartbreakers. But I'd already designated it a solo album. Uh, but they still went out with you on tour. Always, yeah. Always. Yeah. We've always been uh, in each other's pockets. Well, it's been like 23 years since the first album came out. <laughs> does it yeah, feel long. like that? Oh, it does some days. <laughs> and some days it doesn't, you know. Uh, I didn't really know it had been 23 years. It, I knew it had been 20-something. But uh, no, not all the time. But it does when you're making up the set list and you have a lot of songs and you want to get get them all in and mm-hmm. in a few hours is not always easy no that's hard how do you how do you pick out what you're going to play well you just play what you feel like usually okay well why don't we listen to a song from the first tom petty and the heartbreakers album wow, okay we're gonna go way back we'll go way, do you listen to it often uh only on the radio 
and when you when a Tom Petty song comes on the radio, you turn it up and yeah, you feel that's, good? Yeah, that's when I listen to them. I, I rarely put them on at home. Okay, well, we're, we're going way back to 1976 Yeah. for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on Crazy. the new channel 1031. Penny and the Heartbreakers on the new channel 1031, and uh, we are we are honored to have Tom Petty here with us in the studio today. Um, we were just talking off the air about the star. You got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame the other day. Yeah, was that sure a very did. surreal kind of experience? It was. It was an experience I've never had. You have Johnny Grant, who's like the honorary mayor of Hollywood, and, and quite a guy. <laughs> very unique character, isn't he? He's very unique. He he had it in his head somehow that we used to play the Cine Grill. Oh, really? And, and we've never, ever even been in this in a grill, you know. But you can't but, tell Johnny because he knows. Well, I couldn't convince him we hadn't. Oh, that's funny. But it was great getting a star and all that. But it kind of just felt like a concert where we didn't have any instruments, you know. Mm -hmm. Lots of people and everything. Right. They closed off Hollywood Boulevard and the fans are there yeah. screaming. We and... felt like we should do something, but we didn't know what to do. But wave and leave. And so do you make a speech? Well, I, I tried to. And then you get down on your hands and knees, and they uncover the star. Yeah, and they take your photo, uh -huh. and they give you a little one to take home. Oh, that's nice. They were very nice. So the, the band was there? And yeah, everybody was there, and we, we got our stars, and we, we, but we feel exactly the same. Uh-huh. But, but you always know that you can go to Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Roosevelt Hotel, and, and there you and will be. And check out the star, yeah. 
and be walked on the rest of my life. <laughs> and tourists will come up and take your picture. Probably. In upset Yeah, show. probably be some German tourists there. Always. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the new album, as we said, is Echo. Now, to kick oh, off Echo, to kick off Echo, you did seven nights at the Fillmore in San Francisco, basically. Yeah. Kind of to to say, all right, we're back. We're we're. Yeah. Now, in a couple of years ago, you did twenty nights at the Fillmore. I'm yeah. going somewhere here, so bear with I'm me. I'm with you. You live in L.A. Yes. You go to San Francisco to do these like <laughs> residencies at a club. What about us here? Well, I'd love to do one here. I just haven't found the right venue yet. Mm. I'm, I'm looking. The Fillmore is really good. Uh, it has a really good sound in there, and it's it's very convenient and um, and set up for the, the gig, you know. Mm. So uh, we really are fond of playing there. We've just done the same thing in a lot of cities, you know, in, in three or four cities. So maybe we'll get to L.A. eventually. Okay, because we'd love to have you here, you know, just we, we holding love, down court. We love it here. I, believe me, I'd love to be here. <laughs> you could avoid hotels. That's true. You go yeah. home and sleep in your own bed every night. See, there are lots of advantages to it. Okay. Well, your tour is starting in about a month or so, and you hit L.A. Actually, Irvine is where you're playing on the 13th of August. Are yes. you Are you a superstitious guy at all? No. no. Okay, because you know it's Friday the 13th. Right? I know, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, it just I makes it all the more. I, I kind of just go past all that. You know, I have some days that are so bad that aren't on any particular number that I figure it, it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that stuff works for you. Yes. It does. Now, I, I, last night as I'm, I was walking my dog and I looked up and I saw a full moon. And, of course, the first thing that I, I, I've had you on my mind because I knew I was going to get to talk to you today. Uh -huh. And I thought, full moon fever. What, yes. what, what is full moon fever? Oh, that's when you start acting funny and you, you don't really know why. And you realize the moon is full. Uh -huh. And and that does seem to have an effect on me. I get much more creative or um, much more neurotic or whatever it is when the moon is full, you know. We recently did a show on a blue moon. Ooh. And we really noticed a difference. That's the second full moon in a month. Yeah. Okay, so, so anything you know, special happening today? Or? Today, I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. today's, um, I haven't been up that long. <laughs> Well, you're here with us. Tom yeah. Petty is here with us. The brand new album is called Echo. The current single um, is a song that, honestly, it, it took me a little bit for, for this song to get to me. But mm -hmm. it's one of those that now when I'm not here and not listening to music, I'm hearing it in my head. Good. Yeah. So that is a very good thing. It's called Room at the Top. It's a sneaky song. It is a sneaky song. It's brand new from Tom Petty on the new channel 1031. you 
and the Heartbreakers on the new channel 1031. Room at the Top is on the brand new album Echo. 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 Tom Betty <laughs> is here with us in the studio providing the, uh, the, the sound echo. effects. The Echo. Uh, why Echo? I know that's a song on the album. Well, but why, why not? You know, it sounded good. It just sounded good to me. Echo. Uh-huh. But there's no spiritual meaning or anything. No? No. Just Echo. Um... On the first couple of albums, you don't include lyric sheets, but on most of your albums, you do. And on this one, I, you know, I'm loving this song, and I wanted to read the words, and they're not here. Yeah, uh, you can get them on the internet if you go to the website. I just didn't have time to get them on the cover because we were so behind the deadline uh-huh. that they really needed the cover. <laughs> <laughs> but now, in the age uh, of internet, it's easy and to come. So by. yeah, you can just type them up. On the internet, on the internet, and they'll they'll come over the internet for you. Okay, are you into that? Your website is quite an. Uh, mm, what's the word? Um, interesting. Is it? Uh, yeah. I, I haven't really seen it. I I don't. I'm not really into it. No. I mean, I I just I have a guitar. You know, I don't really need a computer. Uh huh. But uh-huh. it's like. It's, it's handy, I suppose. You know, there's a lot of handy things. Huh? Mm-hmm. Well, somebody put a lot of time and energy into your website because you go there. It's TomPetty.com. Yeah. And you come up on this, I guess, living room, and there are all kinds of interesting characters. There's some dancing people. There's. I got to go there. You got to go <laughs> there. Because I remember talking with the people and telling them what I like. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think they incorporated some of my ideas. But I think it's still kind of under construction, a lot of it. Yeah, it must be, because there's different places you can go to, and you can get, like, a discography, you can get a bio, you can get the tour dates. But then there's this one little area that I clicked on. There's, like, a, a treasure chest in the corner. Uh-huh. And every now and then it pops open, and there's some, like, green leafy substance in there. Really? And I click on it, but it doesn't do anything. It I just kind of sits I, I, there. I don't know. I mean, it is under construction. It's uh-huh. still, they're still building on rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. I got to go there myself and see how far along it is. It is it's fun to look at. Um, all right. And we'll see where eventually that treasure chest takes you. Um, speaking of the new technology and stuff, um, since you're not that computer oriented, I'm wondering about the whole MP3 thing. Well, that was just a, uh, an example of, you know, using it to your 
advantage, you know, the technology that's out there. Right. So are you into any of that at all? I mean, there's MP3 is basically a, 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 a sound file that people are using on the Internet to to play music. Um, right. One of the different formats that may or may not in the future deliver music to people's computers. Yeah, we thought it would be a good thing to put your single on uh-huh. so people could uh, just pull off a track off the album and see if they liked it. You know, so then we did that with uh, Free Girl Now. And then, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of people come in days, you know, in a couple of days before we were asked to stop. So we had to stop because legally we can't, we couldn't do it. Uh But um, I think when they get the the legalities ironed out, it'll be a real handy thing for people. That, I guess that's, uh, that's something that the labels and, and the, um, uh, the music business types are trying to figure out. They, they have some big issues with the music coming over for free. Yeah. So, which, but I didn't think it was a big issue with a single because they don't really make any money on a single anyway. Mm-hmm. So, why not just put it over the MP3? But hey, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. The, the legalities are over my head. Yeah, they're but, trying to figure it out. But it's a cool thing. It's mm-hmm. a cool bit of technology. See, that's why you need a computer. So you well, yeah, I have stuff. a computer. I, I just don't know how to work it. And uh, I I occasionally, you know, go on there with some mm-hmm. assistance and, and look around. But I'm much more interested in and the things I always was, you know. Playing my guitar takes up hours you know I, you i'm just, just worried about people and... that put their whole life into sitting and staring into that thing i mean it's okay but it's not that it's not i wouldn't make my life out of it you know you yeah. can sit there and for four hours will fly by and you did nothing but, mm-hmm. but just look at stuff you know uh, that's very true night you know and the whole night's gone and you, and you didn't do anything no i guess it's all about finding a balance and all you know, yeah i mean i'd still rather just talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, I've never been one for one to talk to rooms full of strangers mm-hmm. or anything. But there's people that like to do that too. You know? That is true. And, uh, you know, I guess they go into all kinds of fantasy worlds. Mm-hmm. Oh. Tom Petty is with us live and in person at the new channel 1031.
Channel 1031 with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers don't come around here no more. Um, from Southern Accents, now you said this is one that you guys haven't played in a long time. No, we haven't done it live in years. But you may learn it. We may learn it, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll do uh, quite a few that we haven't done in years. Now that that always amazes me when a, an artist, like you says, all right, we have to go and learn that song again. Because I just think, I mean, we know these songs so well as fans. Yeah. But, well, I know it, but I... I'd have to learn it again, like, you know, there's little tricks to all of them, and, you know, in the arrangements and stuff. I was reading um, the booklet that comes with the playback box set, mm -hmm. and for any any Tom Petty fan, this is like the ultimate. It, it almost is like reading your bio. There's yeah. so much information in here. Yeah, they did a great job on that. Really, really nice. And, and in one part, I forget what song it was talking about, but Roger McGuinn, I guess, was driving down the street, and he heard one of your songs, and he thought it was one of his songs that he had recorded and forgot about. Yeah, yeah, I almost believe that, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder how long he thought that. And he's told me about that. Now, can that ever, can you uh, ever conceive of that happening? Uh, not for very long, like maybe for a few seconds. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll hear something and I think it's us. And then I go, oh, that's not us. Uh-huh. And Roger just didn't get to the second part of that, you know? <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. I think he probably realized in within seconds. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the audience at the storytellers taping. A lot, a lot of our listeners were there too, and it was just a wonderful night. And it, first of all, it looked like you guys were were really having fun. Oh yeah, we did. But something you said stuck with me, and I, I, I about you were you didn't really tell the story behind each individual song. No. And and at one point you said something like. You know, you you get there. It's like an orgasm. You're not sure how it happened. But yeah, say that again. Well, yeah, you get there. You know, you don't really know how you did a lot of things it, with songwriting. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain something like that. It's a very real magic, you know, and there's no trickery involved. So I don't know how to explain it. And I don't think I should, you know. I mean, I just don't think if the song has done its job, it really doesn't need me to explain it, you know. Mm -hmm. It should have its own whatever meaning you come up with. So, you know, we, we kind of just did things like uh, explain the situation we were in when I wrote it or something like mm -hmm. that. And you told some very fun stories. The show came out good. I just saw the show. It's, oh, yeah? It's really good, yeah. Well, May 16th is when it's going to uh, air on VH1. So. Yeah, that'll be good. And you do a nice cross-section of new music to old songs to mm -hmm. everything yeah, in between. Yeah, we did everything we had time to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're, you're going on tour. Um, yeah. And that means getting on a bus and, yeah. and doing that whole thing. How hard is that to do? And the, uh, traveling's hard, mm -hmm. you know. The, um, the playing's easy. I mean, that's always really enjoyable. You look forward to that all day. And then you talk about it the rest of the night, and then you gear up and start all over again. To, but the shows are, they're really fun, you know, because you may not feel like it some days, but, you know, the lights go down and you hear the people, and then before you know it, you feel like it. 
So that's great. The traveling part, you know, that's that's just a necessary evil to get everywhere. So what do you do to to occupy your time on the bus? No, nothing. <laughs> just like <laughs> you know, well, we we will have dinner and watch TV or uh -huh. whatever's going on and talk and walk around try to sleep though sleep's not really easy on the bus mm -hmm. do you but, stockpile music to take with you like what are you listening to oh i listen to all kinds of things you know but the mostly old music you know older and older and older i keep going back further and further and further mm. i'm going backwards <laughs> so i'm like trying to find the things that i missed growing up so and there's quite a lot i'm finding out so um I don't know. I went to the record store the other day and I bought a King Curtis album. Wow. That was really good. And I bought a Brenda Lee album and um, something else. I don't remember. But, you know, nothing very commercial. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I I'm, I really like a wide range of music and so does my band. So the, a lot of CDs travel around during the thing. And we, we like to shop a lot for CDs on the road. Nashville, in particular, is a good place to go record shopping. I bet. Yeah. Well, Tom Petty is with us at Channel 1031. So you've done a lot of Heartbreakers albums. You've done the solo albums. You did She's the One. You scored a movie. Yeah. Um, any plans to do any more of that? Not at the moment. I think I'm, right now I'm in the Heartbreakers mm -hmm. for a good long time, you know, and it feels good. I'm in this band, and it's a great group, and... Uh, you know, they're doing a hell of a show these days. We just came back from Europe, and we had a great time there. And uh, I am just, you know, I'm having a ball, really. I'm, I'm I'm, not looking to do anything but be in the Heartbreakers right now. That's great. And those guys have all pretty much done um, a They've lot of done session their work. Share They've too, done yeah. a lot of everything. <laughs> and, it, and the friendships are still, you, know, oh, you yeah. guys are still going strong. Huh? Still strong. And I think everyone has, feels like I do, that they just want to concentrate on this band and do this thing. Because, you know, it's our band, and we... We've had a long time, and, and we're really glad that it's, it's still getting better, you know. So now we're heading into the year 2000 mm -hmm. and a new millennium. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the rumors are that uh, the Eagles and Jackson Brown are going to play New Year's Eve at the Staples Center. Good. Do you want to play New Year's Eve, or do you want to be off doing something else? Well, if they're going to give me $100 million or whatever <laughs> it is, I'd probably play. Uh -huh. uh, I, I always like to stay home on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why, but uh, New Year's Eve parties always suck. Yeah, and you there's know? so much pressure to have fun and there's to do something. There's this big pressure to have more fun than you usually have, right. and that something's going to happen, and then you're, like, stuck there till midnight, and you don't want to be. Right, and, you and know, then you wait for the moment. And then midnight mm -hmm. comes, and it's all the So I never really have enjoyed New Year's Eve as much as some holidays, but I, I like to stay home and kind of know that I'm not out there in the middle of all that. And, Maybe have a little celebration at home. And uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the words of Tom Petty. Maybe He's I'll here go with us. I think I'm going to go see the Eagles. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Let them do the entertaining and yeah. watch. All right. Tom Petty is with us at the new channel 1031. The new album is called Echo. There's another song we've been playing off it that's not a single, but one that we found that we're all really liking called Counting on You. Yeah, play that one. We'll listen to that one right now. It's Tom Petty on channel 1031.
somebody's gonna let me down And I don't know what it's all about Or if it's true I'm counting on on the new channel 1031 and Tom Petty is still with us here. Whoops. Oh, well, you no, know. he's just tuning his guitar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play that one a little later. Um, Tom Petty, it has been a, an honor to have you here. We've never met before and it's been a real pleasure to have you. Oh, it's my studio. pleasure. It's, it's really nice to be here. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Um, uh, August 13th is the date scheduled for Irvine Meadows Amphitheater. Yeah. And we'll definitely see you there. May 16th is the day for storytellers and... Yeah, there's a lot going on. All you know, kinds of stuff. We got a new between. record out. And new that, record that out. always means a lot starts happening. Uh-huh. So, so it's good to be here and it's good to see all of you down here. Well, thank you again for coming in. Um, please come back anytime. Uh, my pleasure. Tom Petty. He joined me on the air at LA's Channel 1031 on April 30th, 1999. We lost Tom Petty six years ago today. About a week before he died, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers performed what would turn out to be their final show ever at the Hollywood Bowl. In the time we have left, I'll share as much as I can of an interview I did with the record promoter, who Tom credits as being responsible for him ever getting played on the radio, John Scott. He wrote about it in his book called Tom Petty and Me. In my many years of doing music radio in Los Angeles, I was a music director, I was a promotion director, and part of the job is trying to figure out what songs to play on the radio. So I would talk to promotion people. Often they were employees of the record label who would call me to work me on a record. And sometimes they were independent promotion people. We'll get into the indie promotion people uh, at another time. An acquaintance of mine from my music radio days, a guy named John Scott, wrote a book called Tom Petty and Me. And for years I had heard how John Scott was really single-handedly responsible for Tom Petty breaking, for him being an artist that you hear on the radio. Well, Tom Petty died a few years ago. His last show was at the Hollywood Bowl. And John Scott, the guy who wrote the book, Tom Petty and Me, was there in the audience. And before I bring John Scott on the line, I want to play for you uh, a segment in which Tom Petty recognized John Scott from the stage at the Hollywood Bowl in what turned out to be his final concert ever. John Scott is coming up right after this clip. One friend in particular I want to dedicate this next song to is a guy named John Scott. You don't know him, but... Six weeks before our first record was dropped by ABC Records. He went to the radio stations with a vengeance and brought that sucker onto the charts. And we... (laughs) And it wasn't easy. (laughs) We're forever grateful. We're gonna dedicate this to him tonight. This is I Won't Back Down. Tom Petty from what was his last, his final concert appearance at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of years ago, where he recognizes John Scott for being responsible for breaking his career, really for his career. And so now I'm I'm thrilled to welcome the author of the book, Tom Petty and Me, to the program, John Scott. Hey, John. Hey, Nicole. That must have been an incredible moment for you to witness. You had no idea that was going to happen, did you? No. First of all, I'll say I'm glad you're, you're, you're back in good health. Oh, thank you so much. much. I appreciate it. Anyway, all right, what did you say again? I'm sorry. Oh, did you have any idea that Tom Petty was going to call you out from the stage of the Hollywood Bowl? Oh, no, I had no idea at all. 
Um, a lot of times I would go backstage, but that night I didn't want to go backstage because there was a lot of celebrities back there. Mm. And I just didn't want to get into that scene, so I'm just going to go be a fan and get in my seat and walk around the Hollywood Bowl. You know, it's like so incredible. It's a beautiful place. A horrible concert venue. I'm sorry, the sound's not great, but it's a wonderful atmosphere. Experience, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you do it once at least. But anyway, no, I didn't know it, and that's what blew me away. And afterwards, I asked uh, Mike Camp- Campbell. He said, "John, he he didn't even tell us he was going to do it." Wow! But it's on the set list. I think this is the first time he talked to the audience uh, after the fourth song. Wow! Okay. And to me, it was like a gift that Tom left me. And it and, it, it was. I mean, what a, what a wonderful tribute for him to thank you in such a public way. And in in retrospect, I mean, it turned out to be his final show ever. I saw you, John, I, you know, we're Facebook friends too, and I saw your reaction. It, it, it was, what, maybe a week later, it seemed, when, when the news broke that Tom had, had died. And it was just right. shock and disbelief. Um, it's horrible whenever a friend passes away, whenever an artist, uh, somebody that we, you know, grew up with, when, when yeah. we lose them. But someone who is, is, played, played such an important role in your life, and you his, um, I, I, I'm so sorry for your you're, you're actually the first person I thought of when I heard the news. Oh, well, you and a lot of other people, too. I know, um, yeah, a bunch of people. It was, it was crazy because it was only a week later after the concert. Oh, that's what I thought. Wow. So now, John Scott, you had already decided you were going to write a book. You were going to write a book about your time as, as you call it, a promo man. I, 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 have, to, I have to pick, I have a, a little uh, thing to pick with you on the, on the title promo man, uh, but we'll get well, to it's that. It's always promo man or promo gal. Or promo well, it was, back when you started, it was all promo men. There were only guys yeah. who did that job, right? Yeah. And it really true. was a boys club. True. The stories you tell with, with Charlie Minor and uh, I mean, you brought back so many memories for me. And, and I only entered the L.A. radio music scene in 1987. So a lot of your, uh-huh. your story here predates that. But it was promo guys back right. then. And you were working for MCA Records. And you, were, you found a record by a guy who went by the name of Johnny Cougar back then. I played it on the radio when I was in college. And I you did. thought it was great and the, the label didn't. And you fought with them over it? Yeah, uh, John Johnny Cougar <laughs> yes. was managed by Tony DeFreeze, and when I was in a meeting, I heard that name Tony DeFreeze, and I knew that from David Bowie because when I was a DJ, I was a big supporter of David Bowie. Mm-hmm. And I think the president of the record company put it up as he said, "Anybody ever listens to new record, Johnny Cougar?" And I held my hand up, and I was the only one. <laughs> and uh, well, what song do you like? Uh, Chestnut Street Revisited. And he puts it on for maybe thirty seconds, oh, <laughs> and tosses it. He goes, "Who would play a record by Johnny?" Cougar, Oy. and I hate his manager, and and then they said uh, he, he the first time John was there he said f you to the head of international marketing so you know he wasn't like and they didn't know who um, Tony DeFries was mm-hmm. but anyway so I got sent to see more Indiana to see John and you could tell from the minute he started playing played the song I liked as he was standing acoustically looking looking right at me in the front row. Wow. Knowing that I liked that song. <laughs> but anyway, I, I went back to L.A. and tried to go, oh, this guy's a superstar. Then, of course, they thought it was nuts. I did so many things to try to promote John. We rented a cougar, Bob Osborne and myself. We rented a cougar, <laughs> Pete Gideon. And we went to KMET, KLOS. Of course you did. Uh, Big L.A. rock Billboard stations, magazine, right? Uh-huh. Record With World, the cougar to promote Cash Johnny Park. Cougar. And there and I the was. Middle, yeah, in the middle of a... I mean, middle of tower records. That's so funny. Uh, and there I was. They thought I was, it was at, crazy, and they fired me. Right. So MCA Records fired you. By the way, I was at WUSF in Tampa College Radio playing "I Need a Lover" by Johnny Cougar. Just so you know. Um, so so MCA Records fired you, and then yeah. you're like, "What? What am I going to do now?" And then you wound up at ABC Records. Yes. So how did this happen? Um, I- uh, well, I was out of work in, uh, been a month and we just bought a new house in Los Angeles oh. and, you know, it's crazy money out there to send the house on. And, um, um, I didn't know what to do. And out of the clear blue, a friend of mine, uh, who I used to be a promotion man in Atlanta, Charlie Minor, who's like the king of record promotion. Uh, I got to know him back then, but, uh, he called me and said, you want to, you want to go to work as head of album promotion? I went, hell Yeah. 
<clears throat> and so three days later, I'm at, uh, you know, going up the uh, Morro Canyon Boulevard, and I just I see the black tower in the distance, so they gave it my stiff finger. Uh-huh. But anyway, I, I went to, to work there, and um, I had to do a Johnny Cougar pledge. Charlie Miner says, John, raise your right hand. You'll never do a Johnny Cougar thing here again. If we right. don't like a band and you do, don't try to get in the middle of it. Right. So you have, you so promised said, him you won't, you won't, you won't, uh, you know, hold things up, that you won't go to bat for an artist that you're passionate about. Right. And I was going, okay, cool, because I got fired at the last <laughs> one. Anyway, about three days later, Charlie said, well, you don't have anything to do right now. Just call your buddies and... Radio friends and tell so there, where there you was are, no blah, blah, blah. there was no rock record at the time that ABC Records was working. So he's telling you just right. call radio, schmooze them, let them know you're here because you don't have yeah. a re- you don't have a project to get on right now. So you right. you were doing that. You started going through the stuff in the office that you are now taking over, and you find a white label. Was it a re- must have been a record, a vinyl back then? It was a, the early seventies, right? Yes. So the white label they used to press it. these white label records with nothing on. The label to as early you know demos and stuff and so you found this you listened to it and said oh my god this is great you took it into charlie miner's office right and and what, yes. what happened he knew who it was immediately <laughs> well i didn't even know the band's name i said right. charlie who are these guys and charlie's the top 40 guys mm-hmm. oh that's uh tom petty and uh uh what is it the, the it's a punk band tom petty and the heartbreaker <laughs> a punk and band right. when he said that i just stopped dead in my tracks because i went Punk band? What are you talking about? This is a rock and roll band. He said, John, it's been out for eight months. Mm. Sold about 12,000 copies and we're dropping them from the label. Mm. And I had just heard Breakdown and American Girl. Okay? Yes. So <laughs> you hear those two songs and you know that's a punk band. That's a right. rock and roll band. Exactly. And so, so <laughs> you went back on your pledge, huh? <laughs> well, I begged him. I begged him. I got on my knees and begged him to let me just try and get a few radio stations to play it. To play the song Breakdown, which you decided should be the first single, right? So you started working, and and he uh, he cut a deal with you and gave you, what, how long did he give you to to get this record charted? Oh, six six weeks. Six weeks. (laughs) I had six (laughs) weeks before I had any project come out, so I had six Uh, weeks to get this record played. Oh, my God. And it was like, okay, whatever, just let me do it. And he did. He said, go ahead. You can't spend any money, which is fine. <laughs> right. I just call, you know, started calling my radio buddies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them didn't know who he was because of the uh, the album cover. The album cover really threw off a lot of people the first time Petty album. Right, because he was know. wearing like a bullet thing around his neck. It was... <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he's got a um, black leather jacket, stringy hair, bullets around his neck, and people thought it was a punk Punk record. Image is everything, right? Image is everything, right? So, so, but you started calling radio people, and who was the first? Who was the first taker? Who was the first program director or music director who heard it? Well, um, there's a few. The lot in San Francisco, San Jose area, mm-hmm. and in Boston, he had a following. But beyond that, not too many places. Um, what happened, Charlie Kendall? who <clears throat> you may know, I do. Um, moved to Los Angeles to start a radio station right about that time that I had heard that record. And he was going to be the music director of K-West. K-West, right. That was yeah. right. That was before I got to L.A. It was gone by the time I got there. I think it became KLSX, sure. yeah. right? It became K- it was 97.1, became KLSX, where I worked when I first got out to L.A. But wow. so, so K-West well, was the new rock station play- in L.A. <laughs> He happened to go to work for that station maybe a day, maybe he's in there a week, I don't know. And I said, Charlie, can I bring you this record over? I had the real cover now. Because I, all I could do was play Tom Petty and Harburger music in my car, in my house, in the office, because it was captivating. As you well know, that first album was great. But so I played pictures of Charlie's house, what he thought. He said, I've never heard of him. And um, he put the record on headphones, and, and at the end of it, he, he said, this is one of the best African records I've heard in my uh-huh. life. So I, I, I know right away somebody finally sees my vision. Of what, he, are they any good live, he asked. I said, Charlie, I just picked up this record by accident. <laughs> you hadn't seen ago. them live, right? I have no idea if they're a good live. 
But we find out they're opening for Blondie the following Saturday night. Tom's the opening band. And so Charlie and Charlie look at each other and we said, we're going to see this band. Right. And uh, anyway, uh, we we did. We went to the whiskey, maybe 20, 30 people in, in the audience. And it only holds a couple of hundred. I, I, we, we had a Dave Matthews thing there, too, uh, years later. But so, so you see, you go to see Tom Petty for the first time at the Whiskey mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. The show blows you away. You go backstage because you're excited. This is an artist you're going to work. You're going to go against the label, and you're going you're gonna to break them. And you go back mm-hmm. there all excited, and their response to you was, fuck you. Right, basically? <laughs> yeah. Well, I walked in and said, hey, Tom, I'm... John Scott, the new head of album promotion for ABC Records, and he said, I don't give a shit who you are. And he yells at Stan Lynch to, Stan, tell him what we think ABC Records, well, it was the, the record had been eight, about eight months. Right, really and so it was dead. The government wasn't helping, but right. Stan, what do you think ABC Records stands for? And he goes, a bunch of cocksuckers, <laughs> ABC. I hope it's okay to say. Uh, absolutely. I said, we're online. <laughs> I said, fuck you. So you can say well, anything anyway, you want. So, so then I asked Tom if he'd heard his radio on the record in Los Angeles, and he said no. And I said, well, you're going to hear it Monday morning. Mm. And this, my buddy here, Charlie, is going to be playing him once an hour every hour. Wow. Breakdown. Wow. He went, bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> you guys are two nut jobs from ABC Records. And so just get the hell out of here. And so I, I had heard the record, right? And then I just saw it right in front of me, a 30-minute set. That's all you need to see. <clears throat> and so I knew it at that time. So I just, it, it, so he has escorted out the place. But as I'm leaving, I go, Tom, every time you hear your record on the radio, you're going to think of me. My name is John Scott, and don't ever forget my name. Whoa. And it was another barrage of <laughs> F-bombs or whatever. <laughs> and uh, But I understood why, because they just they, they were, had been promoted wrong. In sure, magazine. they weren't promoted, yeah. right? The, la- the label put out the record and let it die, which happens all the time, doesn't it? I mean, this is not unusual. Well, Most I, records... No, it really doesn't happen really? all the time. Think no. about it. I mean, how many records can you say were eight months old and were... Not getting any traction? No, they don't resurrect them. What I'm saying is they they let them die. If they don't get immediate traction, they're on to the next thing. So Tom Petty could have been on the, you know, rock and roll grave pile. We never would have heard him if not for your efforts. Uh So John Scott is with us. Again, we're talking about uh, the book he wrote, Tom Petty and Me. Originally, you were going to write a book about being a promo guy uh, in the Mm -hmm. heyday of rock and roll radio. And after Tom Petty died... You decided to turn the focus on on Petty and explain how you broke him. So Charlie Kendall at K West played the song every hour as he promised. Petty heard it, mm-hmm. I guess, started believing you, and all of a sudden you started getting airplay around the country. Um, the sign of a good promo guy is you come up with something to help the radio station. So there were some stations who said, well, we actually played it a little bit when it first came out, but it didn't do anything, so we dropped it. We can't add it again eight months later. So you had Tom Petty do a special radio show where they recorded a live version of Breakdown, and you were able to get new traction on some of these stations with that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it actually was an entire concert, mm. but we, Tom knew that I needed a kick-ass version of that song. Right to give the radio stations who had been supporting it. And he killed it. He nailed it. Mike Campbell just was, it was beautiful. And it was in front of 30 people at Capitol Records that were wow. contest winners. Uh-huh. There, was no, there was no stage. It was pretty trippy. But you listen to the live version of Breakdown. It's on the American Treasure CD box. Wow. Okay. It's just so good. But anyway, yeah. So we did the yeah, Capitol Records. It was great. That's awesome. And and the rest, as they say, is history. Then a, lot, it started a, lot, a lot of ups and downs in, in between, but it's, it's all in the book. And, and these stories really have never been told before. And there's pictures in there that have never been seen before. It, I got to tell you, yeah. on the cover, cover of Tom Petty's first album that's autographed to you, and it says to, it's hard to read Tom's writing, Something Memphis, Natural John Scott. Here's the first one. Sizzling. 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 Ah, sizzling. Memphis. Yeah. Because you were on the radio, Memphis. Uh, John Scott, here's the first one of the first one for the first one. Dare to be great, TP. That's very cool. So you sent it to me. I was in the middle of stuff. I didn't have a chance to read it. And then about two weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe, I picked it up on a Saturday afternoon 
And I, I, I couldn't put it down. I read it in one sitting. It, it brought back, first of all, for me, memories and, and so many people that I dealt with years later. You and I weren't in L.A. at the same time. I didn't get to L.A. until 87. I think you were already gone by then, weren't you? Or you were, um, you were doing the bowling. No, I was still there. I do- went to work for uh, Capricorn Records. And okay. we found a kid named Billy Thorpe, who was a genius in Australia. And uh, then they went out of business, and I went to work for Backstreet Records. Okay. Which, and that was '89, okay. which, which is you know, Tom was going back and forth at MCA with a lawsuit about being bought and sold, so he went bankrupt. Oh no! And and so yeah, well, it, was, it was the only thing he could do at the time because they wanted all. He signed a terrible contract mm. with uh, Shelter, and so MCA that's what they wanted. And like, so he didn't like being sold like meat, so uh, he decided to file bankrupt and get a trial. Wow. But uh, anyway, Dandy Bramson at Backstreet Records, uh, he worked at MCA Records. And Cameron Crowe was a great oh, Cameron sure. Crowe. sure, Cameron Crowe, um, right. We're friends, and Cameron, I think Cameron basically said, you should, you should sign this guy, Tom Petty. Huh. And he was kind of right in the middle of it, but he knew the first time he saw it. Anyway... So Tom requested that I be the head of album promotion, VP, VP of album promotion <laughs> yeah, for Backstreet. That was right. part of the deal, which which is great because Capricorn had just folded. And so all of a sudden I'm working, working again with Tom. Right. And a brand new label, a brand new record, a record that was his breakthrough record. Right. So that, that's, uh, that's exciting. Those days were the days of excess uh, again, I, I moved out to L.A. in 87. I worked at um, KNX-FM. I worked at KLSS mm-hmm. uh, before I went to KLOS. But there were, so, you know, because we were L.A., that's where everything was. There were the radio and records magazine conventions. There were the infamous bowling parties, which I think is where I met you, uh, the, the, the T.J. Martell bowling parties. Those were the good old days with, with decadence like you wouldn't believe at the, uh, the radio and records conventions in Century City, the hotels, I think think finally kicked us out it was rock and roll decadence it's the kind of stuff you read about and that you write about a lot in the book tom petty and me you mentioned charlie minor who was your boss at abc records who made you take the pledge yeah. not to get passionate about an artist that he might not hear charlie minor was infamous he used to hold court tuesday nights at la dome on sunset boulevard right. went to a few That's of right. those nights because tuesdays were the days that radio stations would report the ads to the trade magazines and then so tuesday nights he'd have a big blowout and hold court at La Dome. Charlie Minor was eventually murdered by a, a, a woman. It's, it, these are the stories that you've heard about that you lived. He was the king of record promotion. Yes. In, at that time. You know, he just yes, had, he was. He had so many great relationships with people. And you couldn't stop Charlie from talking. Right. John Scott, thank you for writing a wonderful book and for sharing your memories. I think um, people will enjoy this when they read it. It's called Tom Petty and yeah. Me. John Scott. Thank you so much, John. It was great talking to you. John Scott and Tom Petty. And that wraps up another best of show. Back tomorrow with a brilliant and somewhat unusual political strategist, Rachel Bittacoffer, who's got a lot of really good advice we should be using to keep the former guy out of office for good. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Nicole Sadler. See you soon, I hope.